Welcome to the Benton Heights Presbyterian Church Podcast. We're excited you've joined us as we hear what God has to say to us through Scripture and this message from Pastor Paul. In a recent poll, 47% of Americans admitted to telling lies to get ahead. 64% of high school students admitted to cheating on an exam. And 31% of all those who responded to this poll said that they answered dishonestly. I don't think they lied about lying, which means the numbers are even worse than they were indicating. Meaning more lying, more cheating than what was proposed. So what's going on? I'll tell you what's going on. Sin is going on. It's everywhere and it's in us. Ever since Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, we've inherited that sin nature. That means that we are born with it. So we are sinners by nature. And then the way we think and talk and act and behave, and quite often, quite often it's, it's, it's wrong and it's messed up. So we are also sinners by choice. We are all sinners. Out of all the people who've ever lived in the history of the world, there are two categories of people, Jesus and everybody else. You know you're not perfect. I know you're not perfect. None of us are. There's a catchphrase in our Reformed Presbyterian understanding of sin, and that two-word phrase is this total depravity. It comes from the time of the Protestant Reformation 500 years ago and was brought to light through the teachings of John Calvin. What does it mean? That everyone and everything is affected by sin. Now where would John Calvin get this idea, this notion of total depravity? From the Bible. In particular, Romans chapter 3. Now, I know it says in the bulletin that our reading is going to begin at verse 21. It's not. It's going to start earlier than that. I, this, is, this is bonus material. You can thank me for this later. I want to show you just a few verses before, beginning at verse 10, the Apostle Paul is going to string together a whole litany of total depravity verses from the Psalms from Ecclesiastes, and from Isaiah. Here's what he puts together from all those verses. There is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. Paul goes on with more of these verses, but I think we get the idea. No one does good. No one can have a right standing before God. So what's the answer? How do we make it through this life into eternal life with God? For you see, the Bible is very clear. When we die, there are only two options. We either go to be with God or we go away from God. So how do we get this right? How do we get this right standing with our Heavenly Father? 
Well, every other religion in the world says it's about doing enough good. Which is another way of saying it's about strict adherence to rules and laws and do's and don'ts and, and customs and rituals. Well, Paul in Romans 3 addresses that as well, verses 19 and 20. Now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be silenced and the whole world held accountable to God. Therefore, no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law. And you can add all those other categories in there too. No one is going to be declared righteous in God's sight by following rituals, customs, a prescribed set of, of theories and ways of behaving. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of our sin. What's Paul saying? That all human beings of every race and rank, every creed and culture are, without exception, sinful, guilty, and excusable, and speechless before God. There's no ray of light, no flicker of hope, no prospect of rescue. That is until verse 21. But now, Paul suddenly breaks in because he wants to tell us how God himself has intervened. But now, apart from the law, we know that the law comes to bring knowledge of sin, but it cannot bring redemption. In the Old Testament alone, there were 613 commands. You break one of those, you're a sinner. And sinners cannot stand in the presence of a holy and perfect God. But now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known. God has revealed it. The salvation that comes from God is now out in the open to which the law and the prophets testify. That phrase means the Old Testament. The whole Old Testament testifies to the salvation, the redemption, the victory over sin that our Father was going to bring. That means that God didn't decide in roughly 30 A.D., hey, today... I think I'll die for them. Now that in itself is remarkable. But it was not a spur of the moment decision. Ephesians chapter 1 talks about this plan since the beginning of time. And what was that plan? The righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. The plan was Jesus Christ. The gospel, the good news, Paul tells us, comes through faith in Jesus Christ, and it is offered to all because all need it. Why? Well, we've already established this point, but here Paul says it again. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile, for all have sinned. The Greek word for all means all. The Greek word for sin is hamartia, and it literally means missed the mark. 
So if you're a marksman, an archer, and you have a target in front of you, you aim for the bullseye. Anything other than that means you have veered off course, you have missed the mark. That's why we in the law enforcement community have to recertify every year. Okay, I'm just a chaplain. <laughs> they <laughs> have to qualify every year. I've been to the police gun range. I have fired their weapons. I have been hamartia all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> all have sinned fall short of the glory of God God at creation made us in his image for his glory and we have failed to live up to that so the only hope for us is that God himself would do something about it and he did Paul says, we are all justified, made right with God, freely. Other translations say, as a gift. We've all been justified as a gift. Now, let's say it's your birthday. And family and friends have all gathered to celebrate with you. And it's time to open your gifts and as they're being handed to you, the giver says, that'll be $20. That's not a gift. A gift carries with it the notion, the idea that you can't pay for it. We've all been justified as a gift freely by His grace through redemption that means we've been bought with a price that came by Christ Jesus. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of His blood. Up through Romans chapter 3, if you started Romans at the beginning, and up through Romans chapter 3, verse 20, we're sinners. Are we still sinners? Yes. But now really stands out, doesn't it? And from what we've just read, the Apostle Paul teaches three basic truths about our justification, our forgiveness. Number one is the source of our justification, the source of our forgiveness. Simply put, it is God and His grace. From beginning to end, our salvation belongs to God. Any other way to perceive it it's not the gospel. It's unbiblical. In other words, we can't earn it. We can't merit it. We can't do enough good to attain it. The free gift of God's grace is God loving, God stooping, God coming to the rescue, God giving himself generously in and through Jesus Christ. That leads us to the second truth, which is God justifies the ungodly. Now, this is actually a quote from the next chapter in Romans, chapter 4, verse 15. But we take it up now because it helps us better understand what Paul is getting at. Perhaps no expression in all of the book of Romans is more startling than this statement. 
God justifies the ungodly. In the Old Testament, God repeatedly told the Israelites and their leaders they must acquit the innocent, condemn the guilty. We'd say, but of course, an innocent, an innocent person must be declared innocent, a guilty person guilty. I mean, what more elementary principles of justice could there be? Or this from Proverbs, acquitting the guilty, condemning the innocent, the Lord detests them both. And again, we say, of course, that's the wrong view of justice. Then how on earth can the apostle Paul affirm that God does what he forbids others to do, that he does it continually? And that he even designates himself as the God who justifies the ungodly. It's unheard of. How can the righteous God act in such a way as to turn everything upside down? It's unbelievable. Or rather it would be if it were not for the cross of Jesus Christ. You see, the cross changes everything. It means that before God chose us, he chose Christ for us. It means God's Son, Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord, stands in the gap and leads us to a new place as a new humanity with a new identity. So sin no longer defines us. Jesus Christ does. And the third truth about our justification, our forgiveness, is that it is received through faith. And the result of faith in Jesus Christ is a 180 on our perspective. Let me tell you the story, if you don't know it, of Chuck Colson, who founded Prison Fellowship Ministries after he turned his life over to Jesus following the Watergate scandal in the 1970s. After serving time, he would go on to travel, speak, and write extensively about the power of the gospel. He once shared about this phenomenal discovery. He learned that prisons in the country of Brazil typically had a rearrest rate of roughly 75%, about the same, he noted, as that of the U.S. at the time. But there was one prison in Brazil whose rearrest rate was only 4%. Here's why. In its solitary confinement cell is what may be described by some as a gruesome depiction of a suspected criminal. On the wall of that solitary confinement cell was a depiction of the crucifixion. With these words inscribed below it, Jesus has done time for every man here. No other system, no other ideology, no other religion in all the world proclaims a free forgiveness and a new life for those who have done absolutely nothing to deserve it. And it's all based on the gospel.
The good news that God's grace has made all the difference. That God's Son has died our death, bearing our judgment for our sins. And there's nothing we can do but receive it by faith. That's all that's left for us to do. Receive it by faith. So how do you respond? Have you accepted God's intervention on your behalf? If not, open your heart to God and let Him fill your life. You can say something as simple as, Lord, I know I need to get right with you. And I know Jesus died for my sins. I now surrender my life to you. You pray that prayer. Now you're a believer. Are you perfect? Not a chance. You're still a sinner, but a forgiven sinner who's been given a new life now and forever. Thanks be to God. We hope you found this message to be encouraging. We'd love for you to join us on Sunday mornings. Find us on Facebook and Instagram and at bhprez.org for more information.